Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. DIY20 at checkout to save 20%. DDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You will hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think it would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogityourself.com and complete the form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, welcome back to another profile episode for GDIY. We have Sean Porter on the phone with us tonight. Sean, how you doing? Pretty good. So go ahead and start off with the obvious and tell everybody where you're from. I'm from Ottawa, Illinois, um, just about an hour and a half uh, west of Chicago. All right. And so how long have you been in the bird dog world and what got you started? Uh, well, I got my first German Shorter Pointer when I was uh, 18. I was in college. I talked to my parents into letting me get a German Shorter Pointer. I was at the grocery store, pulled a phone number off of a tab, you know, at the little <laughs> classified section there and took my mom up there and she fell in love and that's all I needed for my dad. We were two to one outnumbered him. And, um, <laughs> so that was how I got started. And that dog, he, he was a big runner. Uh, he was really smart and, uh, he's a great, great dog to have around, but I had no business having a, a high powered dog like that, especially when I was in college. You know, um, he drove my mom absolutely crazy. <laughs> That's funny that uh, most of the most of the first time dogs end up being the high powered crazy dog that you found from a newspaper, or like you got it from the uh, from the grocery oh, store yeah. ad. I wonder if it's oh, if it's yeah. really the dog was that crazy, or if a lot of first time dog owners just really didn't know what they were doing, and it, it you learned a bunch of lessons on your first one. Uh, yeah, I still wouldn't say I know what I'm doing, but just from uh, going down this path a little bit right now and remembering what he was like in his prime, you know, he was he was all gas, all throttle, pretty much all the time. But he did have a pretty good foundation of obedience, but it wasn't like I didn't know what woe was. You know, he just would, you know, hear, sit, stay, shake. Um, you know, he, he knew all the puppy tricks, but uh, and then he taught me how to hunt pretty much, so that was kind of how it went nice well congratulations i think you're the first person i've ever talked to i've heard of people getting their dogs off craigslist i've heard them getting them from a buddy or just free from a rescue i've never heard of somebody getting it off just a good old-fashioned sales bulletin board at a grocery store yeah for real that's what that's what happened 
<laughs> I just so, imagine uh, you're checking out of the grocery store and you're like, oh, what's this? Hey, let's get a short hair. That'd be cool. And while we're at it, he, learn he how to play guitar and, uh, and yeah. buy this boat. Let's do all of this. All right. It, it was like, I felt like it was fate. You know, I, I wanted a German short hair pointer. I didn't know anybody really that bred them or had them. And, uh, you know, I was just at the local town grocery store and it's a little small place. And uh, I was leaving and I looked over and saw it and I thought, no way, like this is meant to be. So, you know, I came home all excited and, you know, going nuts and, that with that excitement, my parents were, you know, uh, really, I'm grateful for them for giving the opportunity to do it. Uh, but unfortunately the dog drove my mom nuts and, but my dad really fell in love with them after I, uh, you know, finished up my college and moved out on my own. I ended up letting my dad keep them and they had a great time hiking the woods together and, and doing all that stuff. So I can't really say it was a bad experience at all, but in looking back, um, I had uncles that had labs and, you know, hunted with buddies that had labs and, and that, that bird dog, that pointing dog, that big running fast, high drive dog. Like that's where I, I learned it and, and saw it. And I, it was in my blood then. I couldn't, couldn't get out of it after that. There was no going back. And so yeah. been kind of itching since then. And, uh, you know, I had a short hair before another one. Um, so that was my first one, the one from the grocery store. And you guys are really going to laugh at this one. I was driving home from Wisconsin, uh, and there was on the side of a road, a plywood sign that had <laughs> GSP puppies written on the side. I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> so, I know the sign must like, have well, said like pure bread yeah. GSPs, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it didn't say that. It just said, follow this road. And I'm following this road for a while and I'm getting there, getting there. And then finally, I'm like, well, okay, this is about the end of the road. It's gravel road. I get out, and there's the the mothers there, and uh, two puppies come running up, and one of them is, um, you know, pure brown and just a beautiful-looking little puppy and probably about three months old, a little bit older than you'd like to get a puppy. And I go and talk to the two elderly uh, breeders, and they they were very German. It was in Wisconsin, and they've got a, you know, kind of a German heritage there in Wisconsin, and and they had like thick accents and they were turns out like off the boat German. And so I said, well, what's the puppy eat? I want to get the right, you know, food or whatever. And the, the, the lady just said something like, Oh, I just give it the potato soup. And I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> That's and awesome. the guy's like, Hey, we have a second home in Canada and we want to get rid of these puppies. I'll give you a two for one. And I knew enough to know, like <laughs> I had my first German short hair pointer. Like I can't do two of them. So oh, I just man. took, um, the, old two the, for the one. female. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they were, they were old and, uh, they were, I was like, well, what do they do? You know? And they pretty much just ran wild on the farm, like wild, you know? And the guy even said, he's like, yeah, there was a couple days there where we, we thought we lost them. They ran in the woods and we didn't see him for a couple of days. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> so we, I take him in and that dog ended up being a handful. Uh, her name was Sassy and, and I think I named her appropriately. Uh, turns out, you know, we were coming along and doing what I did with my first dog and I thought everything was going fine. And then um, took her out on the first time. And you guys are going to laugh at this one again. First time on our first hunt, I took her to a preserve with a couple of my buddies and we put some birds out for her and she finds the first bird. We kick the bird up 
and all of a sudden we just all opened up our 12 gauges blaring and uh that dog then went right underneath my legs and then oh, mm. oh you know at least no. you're staying close and yeah so then i kept hunting and the, and the second one finds the bird again and is looking at me like you're going to do the same thing to me again and i didn't know that it was a wrong situation at the time yeah. and birds get up again we shoot and that time she's like no get me out of here she ran back to the truck and just waited for us so so i put her in the car and we kept hunting and and then after that i just realized i, I kind of gun shied her myself so yeah um yep. she we just had her as a as a house dog for a while and um she was really good she was really sweet but i i realized that I got really lucky with my first German shorter pointer, knowing nothing. And, uh, then I didn't have a bird dog for a while after that. I just had a house companion. And well, I, I tell you, you know, what, a, AKC gives out ribbons for one in trials and everything. We're going to start giving out GDIY ribbons and you get the ribbon for how to find the best pup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll the, the best ribbons. pup to learn what not to do. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yeah. is she the dog that you're currently working with and in, in NAVDA and training up right now? No, uh, that dog actually, I ended up, uh, going through some different things or whatever. And she's actually living with a family a couple towns away, an old retired man just wanted a, an old German short air to hang out with. So they're buddies, they're pals, they just do their thing. And, uh, then I was bird dog list for a few years, um, and then uh i just decided i was time to like take it serious and do it the real way and now i have a poodle pointer named bodo that i got uh about a year ago um now you so say he's the one i'm taking through the navigate stuff now you say it's the real way is that because you got a poodle pointer no 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 because okay. i i thought about what breed i wanted i i researched breeders i you know listened to information i read information um, then I, I didn't know what NAVDA was until I started down this process. And, uh, then I found, you know, I was really interested in, in the DD, the wire pointing Griffon and sure. the poodle pointer. And those were the three I was really, you know, going with, cause I kind of got snake bit twice with the German shorter pointer. And, uh, so I was looking for something that I could still get that pointing dog, you know, run fast, be athletic thing from but but maybe not a german shorter pointer at this point yeah so you and, thought the beard uh, would save you just, on this one yeah and i was just concerned with akc register because i then i learned like breeding does have a pretty big impact on what you're going to get and i just started looking at uh the requirements to have a have a dog you know i wanted to hunt with the, the dog so having the parents both be tested in some sort of realm I felt like it meant a lot to me. So uh, then really the DD and the Poodle Pointer were the two top runners and um, ended up calling a lot of breeders and, you know, bugging a lot of people. And I got on a list for a Poodle Pointer and, and here we are now. And well, also I got to mention um, my fiance at the time had, was not from a dog household and um, she was pretty hesitant about it. So I had to like make a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Dude, what and, is up with people <laughs> doing PowerPoints? It's a pretty common occurrence, yeah, apparently. Yeah. No, I, I don't feel like I had to, but I just really wanted to seal the deal. So I made a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> brought it home, all the pluses, all the minuses, you know, the whole thing, um, pictures, you know, all that stuff. So a lot of puppy there pictures. There we are. I now have, um, Yep, now I've got the poodle pointer and uh, named it Bodo. 
you know, with with a poodle pointer. Bodo is a important figure in the North American poodle oh, yeah. pointer. Uh, I thought that's where history. it came so, from. Bodo Winter Health that had yeah. poodle pointers. So that's cool. Yeah, and you know, um, he had a pretty cool backstory, and I just thought, you know, it's a pretty cool name and the whole history and story behind it. I thought, well, we'll go down with this and. Now I feel like I'm really stuck with participating in NAVDA because our dog's name is Bodo. So <laughs> yeah. like it or not, I got to finish this off. Absolutely. So so real quick, you uh, described to everybody where you're at with the dog. I think you already ran the NA test. And then uh, this is going to be a little bit different of a profile because usually we're doing this right here, just BSing. But uh, you actually just finished your first force fetch program. And so with our episodes last week and this week being on force fetch, we thought it'd be a great time to talk to a first time handler going through force fetch and, and your initial thoughts and what you learned. But, uh, real quick, you did the NA test, right? I did not. Uh, I was planning on doing it in the spring. Uh, I'm a first time NAVDA person and I just thought I wouldn't be where I needed to be to, to pass the NA test. And then I went to our chapters on a test in October when I should have, uh, ran them. And I, I realized I probably should have then. And now that I've gone through forest fetch and I've done a full season of hunting with them, I just feel like NA test, I'd, I'd probably be kind of um, overqualified. It wouldn't be true and realistic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. he probably still would, you know, I, don't, I just don't feel like it's the right thing to do. Um, and with the way things are now, I think he'd be too old anyway. So, uh, anyways, uh, I do plan on UT testing, testing probably this fall. Um, I, I'm not really, I would love to test to the level of uh, prize one. I just don't think I'll be there, but I plan on retesting until I get to prize one, unless it's like, unless I can tell that it's just not going to work. But no, absolutely, back to man. I, yeah, I think that's, that's the goal. You go into it wanting to get a prize one and I feel the same way. If I don't get a prize one, I'm just going again until I get it or until someone says, Hey man, your dog doesn't have it, you know, or you screwed (laughs) it up or whatever. So that's exactly it. And I've learned a lot through this is like, I, uh, I don't know a darn thing about dog training. And, um, we, we took the dog to puppy class, you know, here in town, we have a, it was, it's kind of a new, uh, business or whatever. And the guy runs puppy classes out there and, so we went out and did all the socialization things and I felt like it was a really good experience for, uh, my wife and I to do. And, uh, so we, we went through that and then it was still a little bit of downtime before we were ready to move on to the next thing. So we did our beginners, you know, obedience stuff. And I feel like that really gave a great foundation of, uh, obedience for my wife and I to be able to command the dog to do the basics, sit here, uh, you know, sit here, stay, all those things were pretty solid. Um, and then we hunted them this year and shot a lot of birds. Um, I live in an area that doesn't have a whole lot of pheasants, but we do have our pheasant release, you know, program that the state runs. And so we were able to get him on birds and he, he pointed well. Um, we had a great time in the field and it was all like that puppy stuff that happens. He jumped a couple of deer a couple of times and, you know, we had some, <laughs> some fun experiences there, but, uh, in this upcoming year, I plan to do more waterfall hunting. That's a big uh, background I had with, before uh, this this dog was. I did do a lot of goose hunting, a lot of duck hunting here in the area. We do have a lot of Canadian geese, so um, that's something I definitely want to 
prepare him for and have him ready for in the, in the years to come. Nice. So, but, uh, so you got to hunt and enjoy them on the first season and everything and, and getting ready for UT and more waterfowl hunting. You uh, decided to, to go ahead and knock out the force fetch. So let's go ahead and jump right in, into that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, first off, give us your perspective as a first time handler. You just said that you, you don't really know that much about dog training. What was your first thoughts and concerns? Were you intimidated or was it hard to come by the information to feel comfortable enough into doing it yourself and, and just start there? Yeah. Access to information, I would say was my biggest snag. You know, if you go on YouTube, you got every, every nitwit there is, you know, telling you how to force fetch your dog. And some of it looked relevant. Some of it looked terrible and trying to decipher what's right and what's wrong through that process was kind of overwhelming. Uh, then I read the green book and it made a lot of sense. So then I started, um, just kind of making a rough outline of what I expected and kind of a timeline. And then after, you know, enough time, I think I reached out to you guys eventually there and asked about Fort Vetch and, and got some, some real solid plans going. And you guys were nice enough to give me some, some step-by-step kind of here's what to do and then what to follow it up with type of things. And, um, but yeah, ease of information like your navda my navda folks were super helpful in like saying we're here for you well they showed me their benches and stuff like that but i just didn't feel comfortable moving into something i've never seen done without at least like some sort of instructional guide and so that was a little bit intimidating so moving in when you when you came up with your plan and your outline and and you decided to move forward you got you had some mentors in NAVDA kind of walk you through it and you got to see it what what were your expectations going in and did it fulfill your expectations or was it just you you're, you naturally have surprises along the way yeah. so so let's well, kind of get yeah. into that what how did your plan change as you went along you know, I tend to think of myself as like kind of a smart guy, but uh, then I always prove myself kind of not the smartest. So uh, I thought this was going to be a walk in the park. This dog picks up every stick. He just walks with it proud as can be. He retrieved pheasants this season for me, and he, he uh, even uh, retrieved a duck during a NAVDA day. You know, not like fetch-wise, but he would go get it, and he'd bring it back. We did this stuff before, yeah. and I thought, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the big deal? So I was super gung ho. I thought it'd be super easy. Uh, day one, you know, I built the I built the whole NAVDA training table. We went up and down the table. He's super comfortable at the table. All right, let's do this. Day one, we're here. I'm ready. I got a, you know, a plethora of different objects that he's going to hold on to. I'm thinking this is going to be no problem. I'll take a paint roller. It was suggested to use a paint roller first. You know, it's just a new object, but it has a lot of the qualities. You know, blah blah blah. Okay, perfect take the paint roller and I put it next to his face and I just say, okay, hold it. And he just kind of like looked at me, looked at the paint roller, kind of reared back. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. And I was shocked. I thought, well, I thought for sure, if I put something in front of his face, he was going to grab it. I was going <laughs> to say, hold. And we were going to be, you know, three days ahead of everybody else on sailing. day one. Yeah. But, yeah. I thought I got a prodigy here, you know, and, uh, <laughs> Real quick, Named him Bodo. He ought to be able to retrieve something. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought for sure. I, you know, he's got it all in inside total package, and and uh, we're just going to jump right through this thing. And then I thought, well, okay, 
now I'm going to have to refer to the written instructions that I was given before. So then we went to the whole, uh, a gloved hand. I put my hand in there and that was a fight. He started just chomping, you know, not <laughs> terrible, but he was definitely applying some pressure that I did not expect. And so then I kind of just had to stroke him and, and, you know, start to be positive with him. And, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that I'm going to say, like, uh, the, the dogs have all this natural talent and they know what they're wanting to do. And I know what I want him to do. And this process was really, I feel like helping us both get on the same page. Cause now I know what helps him see what I want him to do. And he knows when I mean business, I mean business after this whole process has been done. So we go through and, you know, I was super gung ho. I was doing it three times a day you know, a set in timer. So I wasn't going over five minutes and these are all things that were great, but also it led to some, some struggles down the road. So, you know, he's chomping my hand and after day one, you know, we settled on a, he held my hand like he was shaking my hands a nice firm, but not too firm type of thing. We just ended on that. Like, okay, this is not going to be the walk in the park. I thought it was going to be. And I called it a day and then we slowly started to, I, I realized I'm going to have to, you know, kind of be more thorough about all this stuff. And so then we started doing it three times a day. You know, I'd wake up in the morning before work, hit him with it. And then he'd go in the kennel. As soon as I got home from work, you know, out for the bathroom, hit him with it again, go on our runs or whatever. And then right before bed, hit him again. And I kept a journal of all this stuff. And, you know, I was just over the top, just excited to do it. Super excited. Uh, and we were doing it all the time and it started to come along. I felt like, you know, super excited when he was just hold an object and, uh, I had him on sit the whole time and, you know, I'd have him hold the object. I'd be able to walk away from him and he'd hold it. So that stuff started to go well. I felt pretty comfortable. And then in communicating with you guys, it was apparent like, okay, I'm ready for the next phase. Um, then we go, um, to the pressure and, and fetch after, well, we went down on the ground, did all the stuff. And like you said, uh, once again, I thought this will be no problem, but as soon as he takes two steps and drops it, you know, <laughs> you got to put it right back in his mouth. It's, a, it's amazing how just something simple is like, okay, you can hold it now. Now walk while you hold it. I can't do that. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. Like I've seen you do it a million times. <laughs> and I've seen you do it on the, t- like, so every step of the way it was like, okay, hold and walk on this table. And he's like, wait, wait, what? And he's just looking at me like out of the corner of his eye. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, so, which I thought, what the heck? I've seen you walk and carry things numerous times, but, uh, we do it on the table. We transition all that stuff. We do it on the ground. And every time a new objective, um, there's like a, I would call it a, a blip on the radar of, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but we're able to get through it really fast on yep, all these yep. beginner things. And I yep. felt like, Oh, this is great. We're, you know, this is going okay. Like there's still struggles and that's good. It's building strength here. As and long as what you I don't, see is little struggles were. I was just going to say, as long you as know, you don't rush through any of the steps and you're right, you're going to have a little struggle in the next step, but it, you're going to get through it pretty quickly when people try to skip steps and then they have more than one blip on the radar, it becomes a big issue then. Yeah. And so, uh, we'll get to some of that here. I don't want to talk too long, but, uh, so then I start pressure 
and uh, that went pretty well too. You know, I would give the ear pinch, and and he would, you know, we started out really close, and and just inched it, inched it, inched it until he's you know coming from as far as I can reach him away. He's running to it, grabbing it, and I I really thought we were doing pretty well with that. I think I did it maybe too long, uh, to be honest, in reflecting back, because at the next point, um, we went down. And I put the uh, bumper on the table. You know, it, obviously, of course, I started with it just holding it up with a finger, applying pressure. He picks it up. And then, you know, I always had him go back to the starting point, sit and deliver. And mm-hmm. I think I might have been a little too strict with some of that stuff with, like, he always started at a sit. He always went uh, to retrieve and then came back to where he started to, to deliver. So we're doing all that. And finally, I go to have him pick it up off of the table, and it's just a no-go, a hard no from him. He was put his face on it. Um, so then applying pressure, just he wasn't opening his mouth. Uh, so we went back to where we last left off of me just holding it off the table, and he was still able to do that. So uh, in retrospect, I wish I would have had some uh, bumper that has the little blocks on the, on the backsides, you know, to, the to hold it. Stands, yeah. I think that would have... Yeah, and, you know, I I think that would have saved a lot of heartache for both the dog and I, but um, well, I, think, I even had I th- a guy offer to give me one, and I forgot to grab it, and, you know, whatever, so go ahead. I was just going to say, I think what you just touched on, not not the training object specific, but the fact that you hit, you hit a wall with them, which everybody kind of hits a wall, they kind of get a hurdle that, that you have to overcome during this program unless you just have a rock star dog. Uh, but instead of you just forcing it and doing it over and over and over again, you recognized, Hey, I need to take a step back. Let's go back to the previous step, drill that more, 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 and then move back forward. And and it kind of goes into what you were talking about earlier about it. it, You're going to have a blip every time you introduce something new, but as long as you hit the previous step first and you, you hit it thoroughly, then that blip will, you can overcome that a lot quicker and easier. Yeah. And it, it turned out like this little bit, it still kind of scratched the surface until we were really able to get over it. And, uh, so we, we got over it. We started, I really just praised the heck out of him when he would be getting close to it. Yeah. Yeah. Good boy. Good boy. Good boy. Even while giving the pressure. And then, um, he would pick it up. I'd praise him, pat him while he was carrying it, sit him, and then once again, uh, moving to that next step of, you know, not having or sending them down the table, we had a little hiccup there again. And part of it, you know, I started to lose my frustration faster because I thought this is it. You know, he struggled with the last step. We're not going to get through this step. And, you know, I started having like hissy fits in the basement. And <laughs> I think that might have been the day that uh, I came up from finishing. We finished on a positive note. It's going backwards, and uh, I came upstairs, and my wife just looks at me and said, uh, you know he doesn't speak English, right? He's not understanding <laughs> anything you're telling him. Because I'm like going on, but just do it one more time. We're almost there. Just get this done. You know, I'm going on on this motivational speech to him like I'm coaching my soccer team or something. And he's just like, it just wasn't going well. And, and she could see it when I was getting upstairs. She was, you know, the dog would come right to her and just, you know, put his head right up to her and 
he was wanting some comfort, and I was probably looking dejected, and she was trying to comfort both of us at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, so we were kind of struggling there for a little bit, and it got bad enough to where uh, at one point when sending him down the table, I would say, I said, fetch one day, and, and he didn't even move. So then I applied the pressure to his ear, didn't even move, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, now we're in real trouble. So that's when I went back. I consulted you guys. I consulted my NAVDA member uh, like mentor and my mentor kind of just said, you know, you might've pushed him a little too hard. He got a little too hard on him. And I think part of it was, um, I was trying to push him on too many objectives in one day. I was really being too stern with him on the steadiness on the back end of the yeah. end. Cause I, as soon as I would put the bumper down, he knew I got to put that bumper in my mouth. Like, and, and he wouldn't sit and, and wait for the command. So I got, a little frustrated with him. And after that, he, you know, I, I told him to sit, got a little, not like crazy, but I just sit, you know, and, and I gave him a little gur on it. And, and so then he wouldn't move off of the sit. He's well, like, Oh, looking back sit. on what it, want? it looking back on it, it's like pretty obvious, you know, to you and us now too, that you're like telling your dog to sit, you know, getting correcting him. Cause he's not sitting and then once you get him to sit, yeah. you're telling him to move, and now you're correcting him because he's not moving. It's confusing. And at the time, you're like, what is going on with this dog? What does he not understand? But now when you verbalize it, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're trying to just add too much into the pot at one time. And so I, I can't remember if we covered this exactly, but generally, I mean, this is a pretty common thing with a lot of first-time force fetchers is – they they worry about the handoff a lot and whether they're healing or sitting or right in front of you whatever and I tell everybody like look you're you're focused on one task you're focusing on the fetch and then you can do the delivery later when you get on the ground and you have the solid fetch down the table you can worry about the handoff and getting that to your preference later on and, and you guys said that and my Navda mentor pretty much mirrored what you guys were saying. So I, I realized like I had to cool off a little bit, uh, had to build the dog back up with his confidence. Um, um, cause I, I just confused him by asking him too much, uh, at one time. So, but it wasn't, you know, he was still pretty, it wasn't necessarily on the delivery. It was like, you're having him sit it was on the send. Yeah. You're having him sit. You're basically telling him stop and correcting him for not stopping and then telling him go and correcting him for not going. So it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it he wasn't was necessarily of, on the delivery. It was like just overall too much stuff. Yeah. Yes. I was trying to get it all, you know, I, I trained with a, you know, four people all summer long that were preparing for the invitational. And, and that was like my mold in my mind was, perfection and i realized like it's not going to happen every step's not going to go perfectly you're not going to get it all at once now looking back at it so i took a little time off um we only did the table stuff for fun things like we did sit and stays on the table we did treats uh up and down off the table like just having them jump up and down on the table it was just stuff that I could tell that he was having a good time. He was wagging his tail. We were getting work in, but it didn't revolve around fetch. 
we took a little bit of time off. I had my niece over during that time and, and she's like six and a half or whatever. And she just loves Bodo. And, and she said, Hey, can we play fetch in the, in the basement? Cause that's something we did before he knew fetch. Um, she would just throw a tennis ball and they'd have a good old time. And it was just unstructured, pretty much puppy time. And I thought, oh, whatever, he's taking a break from it now anyways. And, uh, but then I just had this little thing in my head, like, okay, why don't we do this? And I had Bodo sit on my side, just like he was on heel. He had a sit and I had her go just place the tennis ball down and come next to me and stand next to me. And then I said, uh, Addison, I want you to say fetch. And so she went over to him and kind of just did like a, a handler would do. I showed her just line him up and say fetch. And he ran over, grabbed it and came right back. And I thought, okay, I'm going to like, just let him have fun now. But I realized he can do it on the floor. He's just kind of pissed about that table situation. And he's really unsure of what to do. So we can get back at this. I just have to act like Addison's around and not lose my mind. And, you know, <laughs> treat it like I have a six year old next to me and I can't throw a fit. Oh. And, and she was super positive with him and, and loving on him the whole time. And I thought, you know what, that's all it takes is he wants to do things for people. Let's just, let him do what he wants and not get upset about it. And so we got back after it um, and moved through some of that stuff. And now we're at the, uh, we're in the yard doing ladders and doing bucket drills uh, just in the yard. So um, we're getting there. Um, I think, I think I realized like he really does know what he's supposed to do. He's got it. When one day we were coming home from a hike and I, I dropped a shoe down the basement stairs and it just down the stairs and I just didn't feel like going to getting it. And I, the Bodo brought him over to me, had him on a sit, pointed down there and said, fetch. <laughs> he ran down the stairs, happy as could be, jumped up the stairs really quick and just, you know, presented it to me and sat down. I thought, okay, I think, I think he knows what he's supposed to do. We can, we can call this pretty much in control. We're still working on it, but he knows the command fetch now. This is, this is getting there. So. That's yeah, so, kind of where we're at to this day. Okay. So you, you're still working on it then. You're not, considering yourself done with force fetch then well and that's part of the thing that like in having conversations with with navda folks you know i'll say yeah we completed force fetch and they always just kind of grin and say well you're never done and that's what i mean by that we're, we're, you're never done sure um but we're at the point where he knows fetch um we need to do it in water uh which he likes to swim i think it'll go okay um i'm you know, I don't want to set myself up for failure like I do every time, but I think it'll go all right. Um, and we have to do uh, wounded birds and just shot birds, which, you know, I know that's the go. next step. We yeah. just um, got to get out to the to the preserve and, and get some birds. So, so, so throughout, throughout all back. this, I heard some, I mean, it's, it's a pretty common thing when it, when everybody goes through force fetch, you're going to hit natural hurdles. You have to overcome them. If you have to backtrack to build up confidence, you have to do that. But then also when you hit that real big hurdle that you took a few days off and took a break and then you, you just realize that you, you just have to make it fun. And, and that's kind of, we've talked, talked about it on the past couple episodes is, you have to main stay positive and you have to make it fun for the dog, even though if you're mad, if you're bored, if you're frustrated, whatever, the main thing is just keeping it fun and consistent. And it sounds like you, you learned all these lessons the first time through. Yeah. And I, I would say I learned more than, than the dog learned 
because um, I learned a lot about him and I learned a lot about myself that I didn't realize. Like I tend to think of myself as a very patient, calm person, but man, I learned I've got a little bit of a temper that's down there and it came <laughs> out. So uh, right. I learned that. And I also, you know, I partway through when things weren't going well, I lost confidence in what we were doing. And I thought, Oh God, I, I want to UT test this dog and we can't get through force fetch. I'm going to have to scrap the whole plan, you know, spiraled out of control there for a couple of days. But just in watching Addison work with the puppy, I realized, dang, it's, it's pretty simple. If you just stay happy and let the dog see you be happy with what they're doing, of course you're going to have to apply pressure sometimes, but it's not the war that you think it is. It's really just a firm hand and a big smile is, is what I feel like you need in force fetch. That's like a good description. A firm hand, but a warm personality and you'll get there. Yeah. And, and I think you, it sounds like you were taking Bodo down to the basement ready for war. And that's, <laughs> that's the way a lot of us go into this because we think that we've got to go to war with our dog, but it's, in my opinion, it's a good indicator um, of a good dog trainer when at times you can look and say, Oh, he's mad at his dog right now. And then they turn around, the person turns around and talks to you and is smiling and happy. And you're like, Oh, he's, he's not mad right now. You know, you're just using a certain tone of voice to communicate to your dog, but it's not emotional. And I think that's where we get in trouble is when we let our emotions get involved, not just with force fetch, but any dog training, we usually don't do anything that's very productive if we're letting emotions get involved with our training. Yeah. And I'll even say that that voice, you know, um, maybe I was a little too quick on it in the basement there, but, um, now that I've learned that balance, like we'll be doing something in the house or whatever, and we just need Bodo to lay down and I'll just hit that voice real quick, Bodo down. And it's, a, you know, more of a good voice or whatever that I'm, I usually carry around with me. Right. And, uh, my wife, she'll kind of look at me like, I don't like that. But I said, well, you just have to send that quick message and then, okay we'll, we'll go back to our normal routine and everything else. And mm-hmm. and it's no, it, there's no second ask of it when you bring out that voice, when you, and it's not like a crazy death look like, or anything. It's just a, a stern, firm command, confident. Right. And the dog knows, okay, all right, I'm, I'm going to lay down. The key word you that you just, and, the key word you just use is confident. And, and these dogs, it, a lot of people don't put enough stock into these dogs being pack animals and they look to you as, as the pack leader. And so when you're calm, cool and collected and confident, they're going to be calm, cool, collected and confident. If you're, if you're down there and you're emotional, they're going to feed off of that. And they're just, they just kind of shut down because they don't know what you're wanting. And if you keep it fun and you keep it consistent and you're confident with what you're doing, it's going to immediately translate to the dog. Yeah. And you can't cover up that confidence with, with just being extra tough about it. You know, it's like that bully on the block syndrome. Like you can't just cover it up with, with just being outright mean or anything like that. You just, then it just doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. Um, so as we wrap this up, going through your first time, what, what are your biggest takeaways from this? And like you said, before all this started, you didn't consider yourself as knowing what you were doing would you advise other people like, Hey, it's not that big of a deal if you understand the process and the why of what you're doing. And would you advise it really? Most people can do this themselves. I would say 
everybody that wants to can do this for themselves. It is kind of a big deal. I will still still say it's a big deal because of what you're going to do with your dog and what you're going to take away if you do the whole thing. Um, but overall, it's, it shouldn't be something that um, you should feel like you can't accomplish. Anybody can accomplish it if they just go into it expecting to finish it and expecting yourself to be flexible enough to know what you need to look up and ask for help with. Um, I would say anybody that has a dog should do something similar to this just to get them, even if you don't have a retriever or a, or a pointing dog or whatever, some sort of obedience foundation needs to be done. And, and if you want a high level done, this is what you need to have done. You need to go through these, um, training days that are not just shooting birds, but getting down and doing the nitty gritty things to, to build that relationship. Perfect. Yep. I so, agree. 100%. I don't know if that really nailed it, but yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Sean, I appreciate it. I think it was a really good insight. And I mean, it's, it sounds like you had a very similar uh, experience that a lot of people do their first time through force fetch. And it sounds like you came through on the other end, learning a lot more about your dog, yourself, y'all's relationship and, and how you just look at training anything else moving forward. Yep. We're uh, looking forward to some duck searches this this summer and some you know steadiness work this summer and all that stuff it'll be great and now that we have that foundation i'm not afraid to to go out there and try to train this stuff in um i do know that i know enough now to know that i i need to have a plan before i i get myself into something and uh i think that's where navda and this podcast really come in handy is you can at least have an idea of what you're going to see, what you're going to see go wrong, what you're going to expect to see go right and how to get through all that stuff. Yeah. And and now that you've done some force fetch with your dog, you've got an idea of what, what pressure he responds to and what he doesn't respond to. It's, you know, it really sets you up for all the other training with your dog. Absolutely. Yep. I appreciate you guys uh, helping me along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And thanks for coming on and sharing your story. And unless anybody has anything else, I think we'll, we'll call it a wrap. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good night. See you, man. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy this podcast and would like to contribute even more to future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active 
When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.